0: All right, I'm sorry, I'm getting situated here, my command center. All right, got some Kleenex up here, I'm ready to go. Well, anyone else little sniffly all this smoke? It's like eerie, it's like eerie. The, we were up at camp this week and uh, woke up one morning and you couldn't see like across the lake, it felt like we were being trapped by like a fog, it's just smoke from wildfires, <laughs> I guess that's just as scary. It is good to see everybody. My name is Drew. I'm the pastor here in, uh, at uh, Hope Community Church in Columbia Heights. Thrilled to have you here. We are a church of uh, a location of a church. There are three of, of us uh, in our locations in Lower Town in St. Paul and downtown Minneapolis. And here in Columbia Heights, we're all right now worshiping uh, in those locations. It's, it's fun to think there's people all over the city is worshiping together as a part of Hope. Um, and uh, I just want to give my encouragement this week. I got to spend uh, the week at, at Camp Lebanon. I know there's some Camp Lebanon fans here. Uh, it was senior high week, which was a lot of fun, and hang out with senior high kids and get to teach uh, and preach there. And um, I have to say there was a group of kids that got baptized, and every one of their stories, had, they had the same, the same similar thread. I grew up in a church, and as a kid I had... All these people who told me about Jesus and loved me, and they, and they kept saying things like, I knew that Jesus loved me, and I knew people at my church loved me. And that's one of the things that like, kept them going, that later they decided to follow Jesus on their own. It really stuck out to me, and maybe partially because we've been working to plan and get kids stuff going, but I, I just want to encourage you that, that we get to be, it's not just, get someone watch the kids? It's like, we, we get an opportunity to be in that story. It's really a, an incredible opportunity Uh, And to hear that over and over in kids' lives, people knew that Jesus loved them and people at my church loved me uh, meant a lot. I think a lot of us probably have that part of our story, but I want to encourage you in that as you think about uh, being a part of our kids' team and running around the gym or hanging out. So anyway, we'll keep rolling here. I, uh, this week, was watching some Olympics, and if you get to see... uh, I didn't even watch Suni Lee win. Oh, how exciting was that? A, a local St. Paul girl. Oh, she's incredible. But we got to watch, um, if you're just watching at all, because of the way the Olympics are going this year, they've always just like, uh, live shots to people's families or parties that people are having where they're celebrating, uh, watching. And then when the people win, people just lose their minds and they're jumping around and screaming and, and cheering. And I even heard they were, in, they interviewed, not interviewed, they, people were cheering, they were yelling, you know, like, what, what's going to happen? And they're like, we're going to party. What else would we do? Uh, seeing parents and friends, uh, people have been on the journey with these, people, uh, uh, party, and it, it really is, uh, I mean, how, how can you not, right? What a great state! How can we not throw a party? We just won gold. Like, this person just did this incredible thing. Uh, and we are in a series in the parables. Uh, we're just kind of, ready. we just have a one, one month left of this. And today, we're going to be reading a parable that uh, really builds to this moment where a party is thrown because what else could you do? Like the excitement around it, what else could we do? We've got to get people together and celebrate this amazing moment that happened. I actually would love to read this story. My One of my, well, I, I love reading it just in scripture. One of my favorite versions of this comes from the Jesus Storybook Bible. I don't know if, if all of you have seen this. This is a, I would recommend all of you have this in your home, whether you're uh, zero or 100 years old. This this uh version. The kid's Bible has really blessed me. And actually, I was just talking to someone and they said, uh, do you guys do ki- children's sermons at your church? Anyone grew up with children's sermons, like kids' sermons? Three people. Cool. Um, <laughs> like, when I was a kid, they would call, like, call the kids up to the front. And then the, I don't remember anything that was said, but I remember we used to get Oreos if we sat the whole time. <laughs> and so you're like, you'd sit still because you'd want that tasty Oreos, sometimes two Oreos, sometimes a sucker. Um, I have no Oreos or suckers, but I'd love it. If there's any uh, uh, younger people, or maybe you just want to sit up front and listen to a story, I'd love for you to come forward. I'm going to tell us this story, uh, some called the prodigal son, some called the prodigal God, some called the story of the lost sons. And in the story we're reading today, it's called Running Away. So if you want to come up, if you're uh, maybe a little shorter, i you want to come up, I'm just going to sit here. and come sit on the steps. Anyone want to? Yeah, I know Ken will come up. Zariah, you want to come up? Anyone else want to come up? We're just going to read this story together today. Hey, man, how you doing? Good to see you. Oh, this is kind of fun. I don't know, no one else gets to sit up here. Oh, this is kind of cool. Thank you, Zach. I may have said a few minutes ago to someone. I bet Zach Severson will come up if I invite the kids <laughs> up. You want your Oreo? All right, friends, um, you got to gather, and You guys want to come over here? Christian, you got, Benji, you want to come down here a little closer? All right, so we're going to read this story. Can you guys see this book if I hold it out like this? Yeah. All right, if you can't see it, uh, we'll see if we can get a little bigger picture of it too. All right, this story is called Running Away. You ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. This is from the book of Luke. Do you know where the book of Luke is? No. It's in the Bible. Cool? Cool, awesome, okay. Jesus told this story about a boy who ran away. Once upon a time, there was a boy and his dad. Now, one day the boy gets thinking, maybe if I didn't have my dad around telling me what, what is good for me all the time, I'd be happier. He's spoiling my fun, he thinks. Does my dad really want me to be happy? Does my dad really love me? The son never thought of that before, but suddenly he doesn't know anymore. So the son goes to the father and says, dad, I'm better off without you. I can look after myself. Just give me my share of your money. His father is sad, but he won't force his, his boy to stay. So he gives his son what he wants. The son takes the money and goes on a long, long journey to a far off country. And everything's wonderful and perfect for a while. He can go wh- wherever he wants, do whatever he wants, and be whoever he wants. He's the boss, and he's free. Sometimes, he gets strange, hungry, homesick feeling inside of his heart. But then he just eats more or drinks more or buys more clothes or goes to more parties until it goes away. You guys want to see the picture here? Cool, you guys see it? Yeah? There's the guy, see so he's running away. You guys see the picture down there? You guys all see it? Yeah? You see it, me? Yeah? Big smile. Good work. You guys are good at sitting up here. No comment. All right. We'll flip the page. Ready? Oh, I like this page. I like this picture. You guys see the picture? See what that is? Can you guys oink pretty good over here? Can I get an oink? Oh, that was a good one. Well done. That might be the best one. But soon his money runs out and so do his friends. He ends up getting the only job he can find feeding pigs. One day he's so hungry And so desperate, he even tries some piggy food. What am I doing? He says suddenly, as he's woken up from a nightmare. He spits, yuck, all of it, ick, out of his mouth. My father is rich. And here I am in a pigsty, eating piggy food. He wipes his mouth and dusts himself off. I'm going home. Anyone here eat pig food before? No. No? You guys eat pig food down here? You sure, Benji? Not human okay. <laughs> Just human food? No, it's piggy food. Not oh. human food. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. He's eating like not human food. Huh. As he starts for home though, he begins to worry. You guys want to see the picture first? It's kind of fun to see it. see this guy, right? Yeah. Ooh. What's gonna happen? As he starts for home though, he begins to worry. Dad won't love me anymore. I've been too bad. He won't want me for his son anymore. So he practices his I'm sorry speech. All this time, he doesn't know. All this time, what he doesn't know is that day after day, his dad has been standing on his porch, straining his eyes, looking into the distance, waiting for his son to come home. He just can't stop loving him. He longs for the sound of his boy's voice. He can't be happy until he gets him back. The son is still a long ways off, but his dad sees him coming. What will the dad do? Will he fold his arms and will he frown? Shout, that'll teach you. And just you wait, young man. No, that's how the story goes. The dad leaps off the porch. He races down the hill, through the gap in the hedge, up the road. Before his son can even begin his I'm so sorry speech, his dad runs to him, throws his arms around him, and can't stop kissing him. That's pretty sweet, isn't it? Yeah. You guys ever have your parents run after you, hug you, and kiss you? Yeah? You like it or not? Yes? Yes. You love it. Oh, nice. You guys like it? Mm -hmm. Eh, Not so sure? Okay. I get it. Here's the cool part. Here's the party part. Let's have a party, his dad shouts. My boy is home. He ran away. I lost him, but now I have him back. Jesus told them, God is like the dad who couldn't stop loving his boy. The people are like the son who said, does my dad really want me to be happy? Jesus told people this story to show them that God is what God is like, and to show people what they are like, so they could know. However far they run, however well they hid, however lost they were, it wouldn't matter, because God's children could never run too far or be too lost for God to find them. You see the picture? He looks pretty happy, huh? That's sweet. Just throwing a party. See it? Pretty awesome. All right? you guys did an incredible job. I have no Oreos, I shouldn't have said that. Yeah, can we give them a round of applause just for sitting up here? You guys are awesome, you guys can sit down. Good work, good work. You can have a seat, you can have a seat. Good work, hustle back. I can't believe you all sat. You can stay there. You just wanna sit there, bud? Wow, that was incredible. Maybe we should have like adult church. You guys could head out to the gym. Let's have them sit, they're sitting pretty good. Isn't this an incredible story? Like, wild that this son leaves the things he says to his dad that he takes from his dad. I feel like the dad had a lot of right to just say, What are you thinking? But he just runs to him, embraces him. I love this story. Uh, this story encourages me in, in many ways, and today we're going to start by just looking at kind of the first act of this story. Um, we're going to look at this kind of as, a, as if it were a play in two acts, and so the story of the lost sons plays out uh, talking about this father's two sons, not just the one. And in the story we just read uh, from the Jesus Storybook Bible, we kind of just get to focus on the one. We do just focus on the one son who, who rebels and runs and goes after what he thinks is right, and finds that he just is laying in a pigsty and comes back. But there's actually a second son, which next week we'll look at the second son. This week we're just going to look at this part of the story, kind of Act 1 of the Lost Sons. Now this story takes place uh, in Luke 15. Uh, Luke is one of the Gospels. It's a, we've got four Gospels in the Bible. Uh, they're uh, towards the, kind of the end of the Bible. Uh, they're the stories of Jesus' life. They're really incredible. I encourage you, if, if you're somebody who's just thinking, I'd like to maybe crack open my Bible again or maybe for the first time. I love it. I, I love reading the book of John over and over. That's one of the Gospels. We're in the book of Luke. But uh, these are stories of Jesus' life, and really we get to, uh, to see who Jesus is and what he has done. And this is a moment that Jesus is with uh, these Pharisees, and this, uh, they ask him a question, and then he tells this series of stories, three stories, um, these parables that illustrate to them, I think he's, ho- he's hoping, right? It gets through to them. The way you're thinking about this isn't, isn't helpful, isn't right. So this is what happens. So now the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. Jesus became known as this person who tax collectors and sinners, so the people who were outside of the religious group, the people who were doing bad things, the people who weren't following after God, at least at that moment, the people who were stealing money from people and all sorts of bad things were gathered around Jesus, which made these religious leaders upset. They're like, why are you hanging out with these people? Just by hanging out with them, you're almost like endorsing their sin. And so he's hanging out with them and the Pharisees, these religious leaders and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and he even eats with them eating with someone, like inviting someone to have dinner or being invited to have dinner with someone uh, was not just a casual thing, but a really important thing. It actually kind of invited you into a relationship. Uh, Sometimes that's even the way somebody would forgive someone is they would say, if there was a disagreement or a conflict, they'd say, why don't you come over for dinner? It was a way to indicate, like, we're going to sit down at a meal together. This is a way to bring our relationship back together. So they were not happy that Jesus was deciding to do this with these people. And so they say this, they're muttering, this man hangs out with sinners. And then Jesus says, let me tell you some stories so you'd better understand how the kingdom of God actually works. And he tells the story of the lost coin and the lost sheep. If you remember that story, uh, he tells the story um, of how these these things were lost and how they were then found, how they ran away and, and even God pursued them. And then he tells this story about this family, about this father and his two sons. And that's the, the first story. We're going we're gonna to just hear the first part of the story today. So Jesus continued. He said there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, then squandered his wealth in wild living. I love the phrase in here, wild living. So we heard the story, right? But just to dig in a little bit, this was a father who has two sons. He owned he owned some property, his land, which is extremely important. Your land is really tied to you and your identity and your family, your heritage and your future. And his son said, I'd like you to give me my part of that, the part that when you die, I would have gotten the money and the land. I'd like you to give it to me now, though. Uh, which really he's saying, Dad, I, I uh, kind of wish you were dead. I kind of want the thing that's coming to me. I want what I want. I'd like to go f- be free and do what I'd like to do. I can't do that until you give me this money. And so I, I'm really treating you as if you were dead. Which um, culturally, that father could have said, No, what are you doing? <laughs> You're silly. No, in fact, uh, depending on where you lived, there were actually laws that if your kid asked for inheritance first, asked for, for uh, ultimately saying, I wish you were dead, you actually had the right to make your son dead. That's how that's serious this was. There's places where it was legal to stone the child if they asked uh, in a way or asked for your death to get something. But this father seems to be very generous and he says, You know what? You can have your portion. And then the son decides to leave. He goes far away. And we don't know exactly what he does, but he runs to a far off distant land. He gets away as far away as he can from his family. And we hear that he squanders or that word means he spent foolishly, recklessly. This word also is used in scripture to say without thinking or without asking for any wisdom or discernment. It's just him and what he feels is right and what he wants to do and uh, lo- loses his money in wild, reckless living. And so after this first scene, we see this, this son take the money and run. And now he has already, pretty quickly it seems, found himself in a rough spot. But the story continues. After he would spent everything there was a severe famine. So he loses, he spends everything, and then all of a sudden there's a famine. He's got nothing, and then now it's going to get worse. There's a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to, to be in need. What's he going to do now? He was, he was living it up, and now he's not. So he went and he hired himself out to a citizen of that country. He's now going to work for someone there who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He went from the son of this landowner at his estate to a season of uh, of wild living right reckless living, just chasing after what his heart desired, and now finds himself feeding pigs, which would have uh, not only been kind of humiliating and extremely humbling. <laughs> But pigs also are, it's interesting in the story Jesus used pigs, pigs are also an unclean animal. So for a Jewish person, not only would this have been a a hard job to have, but it would have made you even like spiritually unclean, almost spiritually dead. And so now he's feeding pigs, sitting amongst pigs, unclean. Goes from a life with the father to very deathly life. When he came to his senses, he said, "How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? Even the people who work for my my dad have more than I have now, and here I am starving to death." I love, I love that he ha- uses that phrase. Even it's like he knows he's just on the brink of death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, "Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you." So he even makes the spiritual connection. I, I've not done what God has called me to do, or what you have. I'm not doing what I was created to do. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. Can you imagine the shame that's that's on him at that moment. He's I in such a spot. Can you imagine? Like he's sitting in the mud, feeding pigs, and he's he's replaying the things he had said to his dad. The horrible things he had said. I ultimately wish you were dead. I just want your stuff. And I'm gonna run. Do what I wanna do. How dare you ask me to be in your family and do the things you're calling me to do? I can't imagine I mean how hard it'd even be to get up and go there. There's a part of my wonder if wonder, like it just would be easier to just die here than to turn back to the Father. But he does. So he gets up and he goes to the Father. I love in Jesus' story with the Bible, he says, He practices, I am so sorry speech. I think we've all maybe had those moments. (laughs) Have you had, you're practicing your I'm so sorry speech? The nerve, the the anxiety that's in you, like, I hope they can forgive me. I hope this goes well. I can't believe the place that I'm in. he's, He's walking up to the Father, just feeling that. I hope he at least lets me even like work for him. Like maybe I can pay off the debt even just to be around the family. The story kind of takes a turn here, though. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son, and he threw his arms around his son. He kisses him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. So there's some things that are really important here. He's walking to tell his father, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done this. I'm turning. I want to come back, even if it's as a servant. Before any of that happens, his father runs to him. These are all things that are really important, as Jesus tells us. He runs to him. As an as a owner of an estate, as, as probably a wealthy, distinguished man, running was not a, like an acceptable thing. That was thing like kids did. He just threw that off. He thought I can't, I'm so excited to see my son. I don't care what what's okay. I just want to run to him. So filled with compassion. He throws his arms around him. He embraces him. He doesn't say like, where were you? What were you doing? He just holds him close and then he kisses him. Which again, uh, in that time, kissing someone, embracing and kissing someone, also, a, a very uh, normal sign of forgiveness, a normal sign of connection, a normal sign of resolving conflict, coming back into relationship. There's not even words said yet. He just pulls him in, and kisses him. I can't imagine the the, the overwhelmed feelings that the son had. Like, what is going on? I haven't even got to apologize. I haven't got to repent and turn back. I, The father just can't believe he's there. He still tries to get words out. I have sinned against you. I'm not even worthy to be called your son. The father even disregards that. We're not even going to talk about it. That's not even an option in our family because then he says to his servants, quick, bring the best robe. Put it on him. This would have been like the family robe. It probably would have been the dad's robe. It maybe even had like embroidery on it that like indicated the family he, this guy probably smelled like pigs. He maybe he was still muddy, just like gross and dirty. He says, I'm so sorry. Could I maybe even be a servant just to be around? And he says, no, I'm going to clothe you in the family's robes. No, 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 no. You're back. I forgive you. I love you. C- come bring him the right clothes. He's family. And they put it on him and he put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Your family, these are all symbols of your, your back within the family. And then he says, bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and let's celebrate. It feels like it would have been just a whirlwind, this guy saying, well, don't we need to sit down and like maybe go through some conflict resolution? We can get like a peer mediator here, Dad, and we can talk through what next steps are. And he goes, I just am so thrilled that you're here. And not only am I going to just throw a party, I'm going to throw a huge party. We're going to get a fatted calf. That's a whole lot of meat. If it was just a family affair, maybe it would have been a a goat, something small. But he says, no, no, we're going to do a calf. They estimate that could feed 100, maybe 200 people. This is what you did when you had like a community party. Like when you invite all the neighbors. You know, it's like national night out and you're really going to party and meet all the people. And and just like, just into the night. (laughs) And he says, let's throw a huge party. Everyone's got to come. My son's home. For this son of mine was dead and he's alive. He was lost and he's found. And so they celebrate. They throw a party. How can you not throw a party? The son who had run away has come back. Uh, Michelle Lee uh, Barnawal says this. I like how she explains it. She said, the nature of the father's actions is more astonishing uh, considering that he was the head of the Middle Eastern estate. Running to greet his son would have been considered undignified and disgraceful. In his culture, a man demonstrated who he was by the way he carried himself in public. As a Jewish document, Sirach says, a man's manner of walking tells you what he is. I love this phrase. I think this is still very true in this story. A man's manner of walking tells you what he is. I think if we had watched that scene unfold, if we'd been standing on the hillside, and saw the father run from his home down the hill and embrace his son, we would have had a lot of reason to believe exactly who this guy was. Man, that guy loves his son. He doesn't doesn't care what's appropriate walking. He's not thinking, am I walking the right way? He is walking the right way. Compassion and love has overwhelmed him, and his running indicates exactly what kind of Man, He is. He's a compassionate, loving, incredibly gracious Father who says, you've sinned against me. You've walked away from me. Yes, but I am so thrilled that you're back. So happy that you're back in the family. What What an incredible story that Jesus tells us. Incredible what kind of party would this be? She goes on to say, it's important to note that the banquet the father throws in on their son would also serve to tell others that they should forgive and accept the son. This is interesting. Not only is this banquet, this party, an opportunity for the father to say, I love you, your back, your home, whatever you've done, whatever kind of pigs you've been sleeping next to and the pig however muddy you got, you're back. But because he throws this banquet it tells others they should forgive and accept the son as well there's no hesitation in the father's welcome he immediately wants to show that he is accepted back into the family and he wants to celebrate with the entire community this is where the this is where this story has been landing for me not only is this an incredible story i can easily think oh drew you have turned away you've said god i don't like this thing that you call me to. I don't like this thing in the scriptures. I'm going to turn and do my thing. I want to pursue this. And I find myself heading towards death. Oh, this actually doesn't bring life. Just pursuing what I want, what I feel is right. And then I turn back and I say, God, I'm so sorry. And he says, yes, Drew, right? It's easy to to put that. But also, this has really been stirring in my heart. Do I celebrate when others do the same? Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I hear the story of someone, I go, wow, oh, they did some really bad stuff. It almost seems unfair that they get to get forgiveness like that. I, if I got to tell God who he loved, I might say, yeah, they're not very fun. God, do you know who they voted for? They don't, you, you, can't, you can't run and embrace them. Do you know like who they like, what they watch or listen to? Do you know what like, what they've been saying you know the words that come out of their mouth or the kind of parent they are or the kind of friend they are i it's hard it's hard and i this story is not only indicating to us that god has this for us as we've turned from him or how how filthy the sin is you think you have our father is not just saying yeah you can come back he's waiting to embrace you and say come in the family but it's also saying hey Can we celebrate with others who've done the same? Do I believe that there are people far from God that when they come back, will celebrate? And will I celebrate with them? Um, I've been encouraged by uh, Stephanie Crotters. Uh, She gave this statement. This is her summary of this part, of the first act of this. She says, this, this calls us to this. God beckons the lost ones, come home to me. And he challenges the community, rejoice and do not judge. Could you imagine the people in this this story had to have gotten out? Hey, where's the the guy's son? We haven't seen him for a while. Oh, did you hear? He took his money and he left. And he's been like living a wild life in that other country. I heard he lives with pigs now. He's some kind of like pig guy. He eats piggy food. Can you believe it? How terrible. Oh, I'm glad I'm not him. I'm glad I haven't done that. Wow, could you imagine if he ever came back how angry that dad would be? Oh, what I would do to him if he was my son. It says, the father says, let's throw a party. And you know what? You're all invited. We all, we all get to embrace and pull him into the family. Not just me. The whole family gets to celebrate together. Now we're gonna get an opportunity to look at the second act of this where the older brother does not react the same way as the father. Hopefully that, I think that might bring some other conviction to us. But just in this part, we get the opportunity to be invited into the celebration with the father. Are we a family that not only says, yeah, the father's that loving, but says, but can we as the family also embrace and forgive and pull this person in? Now this doesn't just happen I don't want us to think there's just a God who says, hey, you do whatever, and then he just goes, you know what, it's cool. It actually only happens because of the the story that continues in the book of Luke. That story continues and and tells the story of Jesus who's telling this parable, going to a cross and being murdered in the place of the disobedient family of God. A Jesus who comes and pays the price so that the Father can say this. Because we all are, like uh, we hear in Titus, at one time we were too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasured, the wild life, we lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. So it's great moments in Scripture. But when the kindness and love of God, our Savior appears, we found ourselves in pigsties as well, muddy, wishing we could just eat the pig food. We're so hungry. The Savior comes. He saves us, not because of our righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, being brought back into the family, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. Not only are we rescued through Christ, not only does he say, yeah, you can hang out with us again, but he says, I'm throwing a party, Your family again. You're not just forgiven. Hey, yeah, you're forgiven. Let's not hang out anymore. We're fine. Just go. He says, come. He embraces us, kisses us, and says we're throwing a party, your family again. Puts the robe back on us. Makes us family. And this only happens because Jesus makes a way. He pays our inheritance that was squandered. As if there's a third brother who was sent to make all this right. He pays that inheritance that was squandered. He takes the death that we owe. He lays amongst the unclean, muddy pigs, starving to death. He himself withers and dies. Not only to have our debt paid, but to bring life back to us. We were once dead and we are now alive because of what Christ has done, giving us the family robe, the ring, making us part of the family and throwing a party for us. He says, come home to me. So maybe you've found yourself with the piggies, alone, filthy, wanting to come home, thinking I'm too far, I can't. I can't come home, I can't walk into a church Can't be around people who might know what I've done. I, God is so upset with me. Maybe you think you're too smelly. God is not calling you to clean up and come back and make a new robe and then present your presentation and hope He lets you in. He says, "Don't clean up. Just come home. I want you. I'll clean you up. I'll give you a clean robe, and we'll celebrate my child coming home." Maybe maybe you don't. You think. Ah, I don't find myself in pigsties, but I definitely have moments of doubt, unsure of God's intentions or existence. It's hard to believe there's a God that actually loves this much. He says, "Come home." God's not scared of you or your questions, your desires to be outside of his home is questioning of, are, "Are you really good for me?" He says, "Come to me and I'll show you." He says, "Spend time in my words, spend time with me. Sit in your church family and be healed." Be listened to, be cared for. Don't run off looking for a better life. We're here. God is here. He calls us home to this messy family. It makes me think of uh, this week. I got to spend the week, uh, as I said, at, at Camp Lebanon, and uh, one of the cool things this week we, we uh, they put a tent up with lights. It felt like we were like an old timey tent revival. Um, I yelled so much at them. I yelled so much at those kids. Um, I didn't. Uh, But one of the cool things we got to see is there was uh, a group of kids, seven, I believe, who got baptized, who all shared their stories. This is Zach, who got baptized uh, next to Santiago. Uh, Zach Zach made the claim that he is the most joyful person in the entire world because of Jesus, and that no one will be more joyful than him ever. (laughs) I thought, what a statement. Like, what a statement to make. Like, Christ changes you? Zach has just come home to the father and the father has embraced him and kissed him and put the robe on him and and the party is being thrown and Zach says, I cannot be more joyful. And we got time to connect. I said, man, how encouraging. You encouraged me and my faith just sharing that. I said, So I saw him the next morning at breakfast and I said, hey, how you doing? And he said, Drew, there's reason for joy today. The father wasn't waiting for me to clean up. He was just waiting for me to come home. Stop. amen. Amen. From a 15-year-old, amen, brother. He thought, he thought for years he's waiting for me to clean up so that he'll accept me and actually he's just waiting for me to come home. That's all of us, friends. He's just waiting for us to continue to come back to him. So as we uh, move to a time to respond, to reflect, to worship, I'm going to invite our uh, worship team up here. I want you just to consider a few things. We're going to take a moment just to to reflect on this. Let God kind of stir in your heart. Do you know that Jesus has made a way for you to come home? Maybe maybe you, you don't. You say, I'm just checking this out. All Christ calls us, he calls us to faith in him, to say, I believe that's true, that Christ has died and rose, and he has paid the penalty for sin, and now I have the opportunity to come home. Today's a great day to make that choice, to turn to him. Maybe just consider where where do you find yourself running away? What are you running away to? What's the thing you go, if I just could go after this thing, everything will be good. And then once you get there, you find yourself over and over again eating piggy food. Or maybe just who reminds you of the Father's love? Do you have people in your life that continually remind you of how much the Father loves you? Do you have those people? I I am very thankful for those people in my life because there's many days I doubt. And I think that younger brother could have used some friends to tell them that? Or maybe who is it hard to forgive? Or who, who is it really hard to believe that God could love that much? It's a great question. Consider who, who, who do you uh, speak about? This week, consider as you talk about people, especially like those people, whoever those people are, consider like, do I believe that God has a plan for them, that God wants them to? It, change, it changes how you interact with them, how you love them yourselves. So just take a moment to consider this. Uh, Jordan's going to play a little reflection music for us. Thanks, Jordan. Take a minute there. I'm going to pray for us here in a second. Father, you call to us to come home. There's a lot of things that hold me back from that, and a lot of those are lies. I pray, Lord, that Satan's lies would not be welcome here in these lives. In the name of Jesus, uh, evil would not get a say in what you think about us and how much you love us. I pray those things would be destroyed, that would be taken out of us, that we'd be healed of those. Lord, and that we would come home. And I also pray, Lord, that we would be a church that would be able to celebrate with those. With our Father, as he says, hey, we're throwing a party. Someone else has come home that we would say, yes, 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 yes. So we too could forgive and love and, and celebrate. Thank you, Lord, that you have loved us so much that you would send your son to take our penalty, pay our debt, die our death, and that he would rise and defeat death. And now we get to put on the robe of your family and the ring of your family and be called your sons and daughters. I pray, Lord, we would not be hesitant to share that good news. pray to each right now is uh, someone saying, I I don't know if this this doesn't make any sense. I pray you draw near, that you give people the courage to move towards you. Father, you'd stir in our hearts, that we'd leave here knowing we are loved deeply by you. we, We can pray this in Jesus' good, good name because of what he has done, and we do pray this in his name. Thank you, Lord. Amen.